Chapter 11 of At the Time Appointed. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Richard Kilmer. At the Time Appointed by A. Maynard Babur. Chapter 11 Impending Trouble. The five or six weeks following Mr. Britton's visit passed so swiftly that Darrell was scarcely conscious of their flight. His work at the mill, which had been increased by the valuable strikes recently made in the mines, in addition to considerable outside work in the way of attests and assays, had left him little time for study or experiment. For nearly three weeks he had not left the mining camp. The last two Saturdays, having found him too weary with the preceding week's work to undertake the long ride to Ophir. During this time, Mr. Underwood had been a frequent visitor at the camp, led not only by his interest in the mining developments, but also by his curiosity regarding the progress made by the Union in the construction of its boarding house, and also to watch the effect on his own employees. Entering the laboratory one day, after one of his rounds of the camp, he stood for some time silently watching Darrell at his work. "'In case of a shutdown here,' he said at length, speaking abruptly, "'how would you like a clerical position in my office down there at Ophir? Bookkeeping, or something of the sort. Just temporarily, you know.' Darrell looked up from his work in surprise. "'Do you regard a shutdown as eminent?' he inquired, smiling. "'Well, yes. There's no halfway measure with me. No man that works for me will go off the grounds for his meals. But that isn't answering my question.' Darrell's face grew serious. "'You forget, Mr. Underwood, that until I am put to the test, I have no means of knowing whether or not I can do the work you wish done.' "'By George, I never once thought of that,' Mr. Underwood exclaimed." somewhat embarrassed, adding hastily, but then I didn't mean bookkeeping in particular, but clerical work generally, copying instruments, looking up records, and so on. You see, it's like this, he continued, seating himself near Darrell. I'm thinking of taking in a partner, not in this mining business, it has nothing to do with that, but just in my mortgage loan business down there. And in case I do, We'll need two or three additional clerks and bookkeepers, and I thought you might like to come in just temporarily until we resume operations here. Of course, the salary wouldn't be very much, but I thought it might be better than nothing to bridge over. How long do you expect to be closed down here, Mr. Underwood? Until the men come to their senses, or we find others to take their places, the elder man answered decidedly. It may be six weeks, or it may be six months. I was talking with Dwight from the Buckeye camp this morning. He says they've been too much expense to put up with the proposition for the moment. They simply can't stand it, and won't. They'll shut down and pull out first. I don't believe that mine is paying very well anyway. Mr. Underwood, said Darrell slowly, if this were a question of accommodation to yourself, of coming into your office, and helping you out personally, I would gladly do it. Salary would be no object. But to take a merely clerical position for an indefinite time 
when I have a good, lucrative profession, does not seem to me a very wise policy. There must be plenty of assaying to be done in Ophir. Why couldn't I temporarily open an office there? I guess there's no reason why you couldn't, if you want to, Mr. Underwood replied, evidently disappointed by Darrell's reply and eyeing him sharply. And if you want to open up an office of your own, there's plenty of room for you in our building. You know the building was formerly occupied by one of Ophir's wildcat banks that collapsed in the general crash six years ago, and there's a fine lot of private offices in the rear, opening on the side street. One of those rooms fitted up would be just the place for you. Much obliged, said Darrell, smiling. We'll see about it if the time comes that I need it. Possibly your prospective partner will have use of all the private offices. I guess I'll have some say about that, Mr. Underwood returned, gruffly. Then, after a short pause, he continued, I haven't fully decided about this partnership business. I talked it over with Jack when he was here, but he didn't seem to favor the idea. Told me that at my age I had better let well enough alone. I told him that I didn't see what my age had to do with it, that I was capable of looking after my own interests, partner or no partner. But that I had no objection to having someone else take the brunt of the work while I looked on. Is the man a stranger or an acquaintance? Darrell inquired. I'm not personally acquainted with him, but he's not exactly a stranger, for he has lived in Ophir off and on for the last five years. His name is Walcott. He says his father is an Englishman and very wealthy. He himself, I should judge, has some Spanish blood in his veins. He spends part of his time in Texas, where he has heavy cattle interests. In fact, he has been there for the greater part of the past year. He wants to go into the mortgage loan business and offers to put in 75000 and give his personal attention to the business for 33 and a third percent of the profits. What has been his business in Ophir all these years? Life insurance mostly, I believe. Had two offices, one in Ophir and one in Galena, and has done some private loan business. What sort of reputation has he? First rate. I've made a number of inquiries about him in both places, and nobody has a word to say against him. Very quiet. Minds his own business. A man of few words. Just about my sort of man, I should judge. Mr. Underwood concluded as he rose from his chair. Well, Mr. Underwood, said Darrell, whatever arrangements you decide to make, I wish you success. No more than I do you, my boy. In anything, your pig-headedness leads you into, Mr. Underwood replied brusquely, but with a humorous twinkle in his eyes. Confound you, he added. I'd help you if you'd give me a chance, but maybe it's best to let you gang your own gate and he walked out of the room before Darrell could reply. A moment later, he looked in at the door. By the way, if you're not at the Pines by five o'clock sharp next Saturday afternoon, Marcy says she's going to send an officer up here after you with a writ of habeas corpus or something of the sort. All right, I'll be there, Darrell laughed. You'll find the old place a bit brighter than you've seen it yet, for we had a letter from Puss this morning that she'll be home tomorrow. With the last words, the door closed, and Darrell was left alone with his thoughts, to which, however, 
he could give little time. But when the day's work was done, he went for a stroll, and seating himself upon a large rock, carefully reviewed the situation. Hitherto he had given little thought to the impending trouble at the camp, supposing it would affect himself but slightly. But now he realized that a suspension of operations there would mean an entire change in his mode of living. The prospective change weighed on his sensitive spirit like an incubus. Even the pines, he dismally reflected, would no longer seem the same quiet, homelike retreat, since it was to be invaded and dominated by a youthful presence between whom and himself there would probably be little congeniality. But finally telling himself that these reflections were childish, he rose as the last sunset rays were sinking behind the western ranges, and the rosy flush of the summits was fading, and walking swiftly to his room, resolutely buried himself in his studies. End of chapter 11 Recording by Richard Kilmer, Rio Medina, Texas